Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast, Sam Ferris here, and on this week's episode, we take a look at the IPL with Chennai Super Kings opener and former Australia all-rounder Shane Watson, and preview the upcoming Marsh Sheffield Shield season with cricket.com.au's man in the bubble, Lewis Cameron, who joins us now from his hotel quarantine in Adelaide. Hello, Lou. Sam, thanks for having me, mate. I'm technically not in the bubble yet. I am in, as you said, a hotel room by myself for two weeks, so... I'll be clean enough, um, Victoria-free enough to join the bubble in about three days. That was my next question. I guess you're on the outskirts of the bubble. How much longer until you're in the bubble? Yeah, I was just having a look then. Um, It's Tuesday now, so I've got one, two, three, yeah, three days left. So, um, yeah, counting them down. It's, uh, It's been a lonely, lonely week or so, mate. But Lewis, before we go in depth with our Marsh Sheffield Shield preview, and I know you've done the numbers and looked at all the players, so I'm looking forward to your insights. Let's head to the UAE where I caught up with Shane Watson, virtually, who I spoke to about the IPL bubble life and who has impressed him so far. Welcome, Shane Watson, to the Unplayable Podcast. It's good to see you again. Great to be here, Sammy, as always, mate. Okay, mate. First of all, how is life in the IPL bubble? Uh, the life in the IPL bubble is um, it's a different experience. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. It's um, look, I feel very fortunate to be able to be doing what I love doing, what we love doing um, by playing cricket in this um, you know, world, world environment right now. So we feel very, I feel very fortunate to be able to have this opportunity to be, to be playing, but yeah, it's, it's very, it's very different. That's for sure. From the you know, first time that I went to the airport in Sydney, uh, got on the plane and just, everything's just, I suppose you, like I never so you could never dream that something like this would ever you know you'd never be sort of sitting through or living through a world the way it is right now uh, and then the the two day uh, two weeks of quarantine here we're in Dubai we normally well you normally only have seven days you have to get three um, negative tests and then the seventh day you're sort of free to train but a few of the guys from CSK flew over from uh, from from Chennai from a camp a training camp there sort of um, tested positive. So mm-hmm. we ended up having another seven days. So that, um, I think that was fine. I got plenty of, plenty of things to do. I got plenty of T20 stars, things to do, podcasts, interviews to be able to do. So I was able to make the time go pretty fast, but just the, the rest of the this, this stuff, it's more so you just feel isolated, I suppose, um, in and around just in the hotel. There's only a couple of areas you can go. You can only get access to the pool for two hours a day, five days a week. It's just, as I said, it's just a little bit, it's just different. It's not, um, it's just not as you'd, yeah, you just feel a little bit more isolated, but again, it's, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to have this opportunity to be able to play in, play in the IPL, um, you know, no matter sort of how things are set up, like, yeah. like the bubble that needs to be put in place, because, you know, I fully understand everyone fully understands how important it is for us to be able to manage ourselves incredibly well to make sure that one our franchises you know, no one get test test positive to during the tournament, so the franchise might not, not might not be able to play a game, and also the IPL um, to make sure that it continues to go ahead. Take us through what you're going to do daily. What's the routines like? Have you got uh, temperature checks, apps? You got sensors? Yeah. What's all that like? Yeah, so we've got a um, we've got a 
we've got to fill out an app every every day just around our, our body temperature. So we've got a thermometer that we have to take our body temperature and just if we've got any um, any symptoms or anything, then every couple of days we've got to get a COVID test. And and luckily here, the the couple of people who are taking our uh, doing the COVID tests, they are more gentle, <laughs> but they're still but they're still getting obviously we te- there's a few guys tested positive, so that she's yeah. the the girls doing it correctly, but it's not the one one I got done in Sydney before I left. Goodness oh. me, yeah, wow. a couple she, br- brutal. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she did not hold back at all. Gosh, so um yeah, so we're in that. So yeah, so we're having a COVID test every couple of days. And then it's yeah, it's more so we've got a we've got a team room here for CSK, um, and just one breakfast area where, that we can go to. But we can't go to any other parts of the like hotel. We can't go to the restaurants here. The saving grace here in is we can get Deliveroo or Uber Eats. So that has been incredible. Even during um, the quarantine period that we had here, we we're able to you know it gets delivered here and then it's got to go through some sanitization yeah. process somewhere in the hotel. But, oh, and, and Dubai has got incredible food options. Wow. What's been your so, go-to? Oh gosh. I'm just recycling through. There's a, there's um, a cafe here in Dubai from a, an Aussie, uh, Aussie guy from Melbourne, a chef called the sum of us and the food is extraordinarily good. Right. So, um, and I've got um, the, uh, one part of their business is a roaster as well. So I've, I was able to get some incredible coffee beans off him as well for my, for my AeroPress coffee. So that's keeping me going as well. Um, so yeah, Deliveroo has been a, a saving grace in that regard because otherwise, you know, it's just really room service. Um, so, and gym, again, the gym we can go, it's just like, there's like a two hour period every, every day. Not yep. that I'm doing, if I'm doing, I'm doing in my room, very cricket specific <laughs> fitness. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. And then it's just training, training and playing. So like, again, I've got, it's, um, yeah, I've got, there's plenty of downtime as there always is. Cause some, a lot of, most guys are playing, um, Xbox and that sort of thing. Whereas I've got plenty of time to be able to um, get onto some, some podcasts or lessons learned with the greats, which I'm, which I'm loving. Now we get you at a good time, Watto, because after a patchy start of the season, you absolutely smashed Kings 11 put jab the other night with an unbeaten 83 from 53 balls, 11 fours, three big sixes. How did it feel to finally get that score on the board? That was great <laughs> um, to be able to look in, in training and the practice matches I've played, I've, I've been batting really well, but then I've gone into the game and just something's been slightly, slightly off. And that's what I've been working, working through. And before that um, game against Kings, Kings 11, I looked at, I looked back across footage, you know, different parts of my career. And then also the first four games that I played and just there's one really obvious technical thing, especially that was slightly off. And it was just my head position as the ball was bowled head position in the first four games is slightly back. So my weight was more back in the middle of my stance instead of sort of being forward. Like, so my weight was on on my front foot. So then I was more in a position to be able to power forward and back. So that immediately I knew that was going to make a big difference and it did from ball one. So then I was able to be more aggressive. I felt more content and um, yeah, it worked out, worked out really well. Faf, I absolutely love batting with Faf. He's a seriously good guy and an incredible incredible cricketer so um yeah to be able to know that i've still got that in me i i, I believe I, I believe deep down that i still had i've still got innings like that inside of me but then when things are just slightly off and trying to work through what exactly is it that i just don't feel as um content of the crease i don't feel like i can take on the bowlers like i like i know i can but then you know one little thing can does make a huge difference and i was able to yeah sort of help 
CSK sort of get back on track after the three three losses in a row. He put on 181 with Faf. Uh, before I ask about his batting, how much time has he spent in the bubble shirtless? Uh, I'd say not so much. Well, shirtless at training because it's hot a little bit, but I would too. Like back in the good old <laughs> days, I had my I used to have my shirt off when I had a better rig. <laughs> so he's um very yeah gosh he's in incredible shape like well at any time of your career but you know he's in the more the back end of his career uh, what is he 35 or something like that so he's in incredible shape so he's yeah good on him why wouldn't you why wouldn't you be flaunting it <laughs> and and he's then he definitely got you know a few singlets that floats around the hotel but i said good on him fair enough <laughs> but how good is he going is he uh reckon yeah. he's got plenty of international cricket left in him of course he does if you if he wants to yeah um you know with um yeah it's it's certainly he's at a stage of his career where he's he, he, he can easily play for another yeah another four or five years of international cricket but you know with the the opportunities around outside of just international cricket as well with t20 tournaments and him doing incredibly well you know he'll be able to play whatever he wants over the next you know for, for quite a while he's still super fit Still, um, you know, incredible field. Some of the catches he's taken already in the tournament, um, on the fence have, have been incredible. So, um, yeah, he's still got a lot of lot of cricket left in him. Um, yeah, for whichever whether it's for South Africa and also in these, um, T Twenty leagues around the world. You need to get him down to Australia for the Big Bash, playing for the Thunder. Thunder, yeah, like maybe not. Well, maybe this year because he's still playing international cricket um, this summer, whatever you know, cricket there is on for South Africa. But at some stage, absolutely. Back on to you. Uh, how are you moving in the field these days? Oh yeah, I'm moving. Yeah, I've, I've been. I've actually been. I've, the last few games have been. I've been. I've been good. I only um, ask because I look at the highlights and I don't see you taking any boundary catches. Uh, no, I'm. Vi- uh, MSD, MS Doni looks after me very well. I'm normally in um, more protected sort of pockets uh, and he looks after me knowing that my body's not what it used to be. So um, I, I'm not I'm not as exposed in the field <laughs> nowadays. So, um, but I still, I still love fielding. I still love catching um, you know, and all the practice I'm doing, slips catching and that, I still absolutely love it. So in that regard, I'm moving well, but in regards to my speed on the ball, yeah, it's, it's okay. Does that, mean, does that mean bowling's done? No more bowling? Oh yeah, bowling son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two two years ago, playing, trying to get up and going for club cricket. Two two seasons ago, uh, had two false starts with um, my car, my calf, um, calves blowing out. So, just like I'm either going to have to really probably, well, I'm going to have to stop really, or just you know, shelve my bowling. Finally, shelve my bowling and um, and just and just bat and see how long I can do that for. If if teams still want me, I can still score runs. So. Um, I still miss bowling. There's times when I really miss it. Like I, I wish I, um, yeah, I, I do. Cause I, I, it's one part that I work so hard on as well to be, to be able to develop my bowling skills. So I certainly do miss it, but yeah, the thought of missing a lot of cricket or having to retire, you know, I still love batting. I still feel like I can, can, can contribute. So it's just uh, something that I've had to give up. Still in the early stages of the IPL, but can you give us some of the players around the league who have impressed you? Mm. Yeah, this young guy Patagol from uh, from RCB, who is, gosh, an incredibly skillful young young batsman. Gosh, he is the talent, the young talent that um, the the IPL exposes, and and I'm especially from a batting point of view, they just it's phenomenal the talent that keeps coming through. It's not like one or two here and there. It's just like there's a lot of talent coming through. So Patagol, he's been batting beautifully. We played them um, 
coming coming up against us um against RCB. Sandrew Sampson, who's probably in his mid twenties, but gosh, he has been absolutely smoking them. He uh, what did he get? He got oh, I don't know a big score against us. He just kept planting the ball like out of the ground, like so easily. So he's in it like, and he started when he was seventeen. I played with him at the Rajasthan Royals. So just a and he was a gun when he was seventeen as well. So um, he's been he's been doing incredibly well. Um, Pritvi Shaw, everyone sort of a lot of people have seen him, but he's only he's still only young and he's doing yeah, he's doing very well. He's um, he's batting beautifully, taking them on. Um, and bowling wise, gosh, the good. Well, Delhi really are the ones that are standouts. Delhi Capitals with Ricky Ponding, who's who's coach, and Ryan Harris, who's the bowling coach there. Delhi Capitals are really are a team who's who's got. Great, some great young talent with Prithvi Shaw. They've got um, Shikha Darwin. Uh, Marcus Stoinis has been doing incredibly well. He's been batting yeah. beautifully. Like, wow, he's been batting so well and, and bowling key overs. But then they've got um, Rabada, <laughs> who's who's at the top of the um, top of the wicket takers list. He's obviously very skillful and T Twenty cricket. He's he's very good. And Nokia who is the South African quick who's been bowling really well as well. Ashwin, Aksar Patel, they've just been, they've got a really well-balanced team at the moment. So um, Ashwin dislocated his shoulder in the first game, I think it was, or second game, but he's now back. Um, so yeah, their, their balance that they've got at the moment has been, been very good. And again, with, with youth and with youth and experience as well, they've, they've got a great combination going at the moment. Pretty sure he was on the last test tour to Australia, but I think hurt his ankle or his leg in the yeah, lead up yeah. to that first test and missed out. You know, big raps on him. How do you reckon mm. he'd go in Australian conditions in a test series? Hopefully he gets picked for the one in the upcoming summer. But how do you reckon he would go down under? Yeah, I, th- I think he's got a really he's got a great game equipped to be able to play bouncing wickets. He does take even like over here, he does take the ball on, you know, on the on the bounce as well. He's not he hasn't got low hands, so there's, he, he could do he could do really well. He's definitely got the technique to be able to do really well. He's a incredibly skillful young man to be able to like do what he does and has done for the last couple of years since he burst really burst onto the to the IPL scene anyway a couple of years ago. Like he's been a little bit inconsistent more so last year, but but this year, yeah, he's 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 really good. So it will be interesting to see how he goes. But gosh, he's yeah, he's he's very skillful these these guys these young guys wow like in australia of course we've got world-class batsmen but they don't burst onto the scene very rarely do they burst on the scene like at their you know 19 or 20 and be up to world standard just no that doesn't happen that often in australia whereas in india it happens happens a bit even if even if it's not maybe their exact age even if they're like 22 it's still incredible that they (laughs) it's still incredible that they're actually have that skill at that age (laughs) and what about team to beat what five or so games in who's the Mm. who's the team to beat in your eyes right right now like rcb have done have done really well and of course i've got virat and and ab de villiers um but there's always a, a few question marks over their death bowling, and and you know bowls are the ones, especially under pressure, who who win games um, a, a lot of the time. So and that's where I just can't I can't go past Delhi. Delhi have got they've got um, Rabada, who's a highly skilled death bowler. They've got Nokia, who is doing really well, can can bowl decent um, death as well. Ashwin, who's bowling nicely, they've got a really all rounded team, and, and um. Uh, Stoinis as well. He's there. He's bowling crucial overs, and he's gosh, he's batting incredibly well. So, yeah, Delhi. I actually, 
predicted them in the before the tournament started so that they were going to do well. I just had a sense that you know Ricky been have another year with with those guys, been able to really put the team together, knowing how good a coach Ricky is, knowing what he did for me when he was captain, like a you know a leader, knowing how to get the best out of players. Yeah, I thought they were going to do do really well with the second year of being able to really have a put those little finishing touches on on the the balance of the team. So you picked Delhi to come second to CSK, right? Meet them in the final. Yeah, yeah. As I said, yep, yep. in the final. Do well. How, and, <laughs> and what is going with the what is going on with with Chennai? You guys had that three match little slump there, but mm. back on track now. Where you guys placed? Yeah, we we definitely were were a bit off with um, just. Uh, our batting, especially, and I'm certainly I was to blame in a big way there. I wasn't getting it off, getting us off to a big, a good start, and then putting a lot of pressure on the middle order. Uh, bowling wise, we just we had to get. We had five, only had five bowlers, so if someone, you know, and it happens in T20 cricket, if someone if someone went a little bit or was it, there was their off day, then there's no one else, just because of our, our balance of our team at that stage. So it's now with DJ Bravo coming in. Unfortunately, Josh Hazelwood's um, is missing out because of because of Bravo coming in. But it's just given us our batting a little bit more depth. It's it's given our another bowling option as well. So yeah, it's we're definitely back on back on track now. We've still got a few little things that we need to just get everyone. You know, we've come off a big break, so some people are at different stages of exactly where their game their game is, I suppose. And I've been fortunate to have. You know, back-to-back games to be able to have a chance to get my game where it needs to be. So I'm very confident we'll be able to hit the. Now we've we've started. We've got you know, beat Kings Eleven in the last game that we can get on a roll. But yeah, you never know because the you never know as well because there's every team you play against is <laughs> is a gun team. So, yeah. um, but we're yeah we're in we're in good shape. We're in like we're just so fortunate to be so well led by Stephen Fleming and, and MS Stoney. They never ever put extra pressure on anyone. Then that's then that shows in the selection to be able to continue to keep the faith with players. Uh, they just there's no never know. Yeah, they expect high they expect high standards, of course. And if you're not if you're not putting in, if you're not hustling when you need to, if you know guys aren't really you know getting in that in that battle, then yeah, they'll they'll call people on it. But outside of that, it's very it's very not results related. It's all about just getting the best to be able to prepare the the best so you can go into the game to be able to give it your best. Now you featured way back in the first IPL. Were you, were you way back the, was that? Was that long ago? Was it? Were you man, were you man of the series? Was that you man of the tournament? Player oh, of the tournament? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think you might have back been in the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> you were bowling back then. Um, yep. Um, how much has the IPL changed in those what twelve years it's been? Uh, mm-hmm. Two thousand eight was a first year. How how has it changed mm-hmm. skills wise, players wise? the whole tournament, what's been some of the bigger changes? The first big change is it went from a real celebration of cricket, whereas like everyone couldn't believe that this was happening. Like, can, can you believe that we're all playing together here in India? We're, like a lot of us are getting paid. We're all, most of us are getting paid incredibly well for only six weeks work. It's like, can we believe this is happening in our lifetime? So the first sort of three, four years, and especially with Lalit Modi, what he was able to build was very much celebration mode. And that was on and off the field. <laughs> so, um, and then it sort of, it changed and became more like very, very much cricket was the prime, like sole focus really um, with no off, you know, off-field sort of um, distractions apart from for people who were open to distractions um, for <laughs> for those people apart from appearances and that sort of thing. So, look, when I first started, there was always at least one one player 
one, especially local player who one Indian player who just, you know, wasn't, he wasn't probably up to the standard at that time um, just because they were just testing the the talent pool. There's no question. But then as the IPL went, has gone on over year, over the years, that talent pool has just grown. <laughs> so there are like great, really high quality players sitting on the sideline now, not just, you know, trying to fill a gap in a team. So, so that for me is the local, the local talent in the Indian players just there's not many holes. Well, there's no real holes in any team now at all. And that pool just keeps getting better and better. And as I said, the people, the players that are sitting on the sideline, the the Indian players that are sitting on the sideline could come in and do a great job. So that for me is a thing that's really changed. Is that like anything, if you if your players are being exposed to a, an incredible tournament, incredibly um, high quality tournament. If you've got them exposed to world-class players around that environment as well, so they can learn, they can learn from the best players, how they go about it. They can um, rack their brain of little things that technical things or mental things or fitness things can make a difference. That's when that learning and evolution really happens. So that's why, that's why it's just continued to grow and grow because yes, there's, incredible talent here anyway there's so many cricketers um cricketers coming through but then when you're able to put that together in a world-class environment then that's when the real growth growth explodes and that's what's happened well i mean it's the number one t20 tournament in the world right behind that would have to be the big bash league i know your thoughts about that shane but has there been much talk about it over there you know it's going to be a different tournament this year with everything that's going on but has there Mm. been much discussion about the bbl and potentially players coming down there to play yeah, it's looking like there's going to be, by the sounds, there's going to be a few English guys that come down. That um, especially the well, the guys who aren't playing Test cricket for for England are going to are going to be available for it. So, which is a which is a great thing for the for the Big Bash. The the better um, world class overseas uh, players, overseas players that the Big Bash is able to get certainly makes makes a big difference to the to the tournament. So there's yeah, I'm hearing I'm hearing there's quite a few. Um, world-class players that are coming down which is going to add massive value to the to the tournament so um yeah it's obviously it like all tournaments are now there's a lot of talk around the tournaments are going to coming up because everyone's going to be different um different even compared to what especially compared to what they were with the bubbles and how the bubbles are going to work and what are the you know what are the freedoms what is going to be is going to be locked in like um hearing from the guys who played in the cpl that was like super strict Really? Like re- yeah, like really strict. You couldn't do anything. They're in the hotel, like all the all the teams were in one hotel, but there was like, yeah, nothing to break the bubble whatsoever. Um, so, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, um, there's no question, Cricket Australia will will be doing everything they can to make it as as safe as they possibly can, but then try and and um, and safe as in covid safe but then also safety from a mental perspective because that's yeah. the biggest thing with this you know one of the biggest things with the you know this covid environment is yes of course we need to keep the players safe and everyone safe around um you know not um not getting covid but then it's trying to work through the balance between that and the mental health of people because like and that's and that's just not cricket that's the world <laughs> you, yep. you never have to you never th- have thought that you've had to develop these um, mental skills to be equipped to be able to deal with being isolated like you know we have and obviously I can't imagine the people in Melbourne what they've had to go through in all other parts of the world who've been in proper lockdown it's um 
yeah, you never had to develop those skills. So that's where for Cricket Australia and the other tournaments is develop, is trying to find that balance as well as they can. Of course, it needs to be safe to make sure the tournament goes ahead, but then they need to try and provide some little, even if it's one or two tiny little freedoms that can just give, just take a little bit of the, you know, the, the heat off people, you know, mentally, you know, feeling, feeling as isolated as they, as they do. How have you been keeping mentally fresh? Yeah, it's, it's been, look, I've got a lot, <laughs> I've got a lot on the go, which I I've, I absolutely love. I mean, you know, putting with my, with my podcast, the T20 stars with what I've been doing with the content, I'm doing the debrief after a video, um, after every game that we, that CSK plays as well. And I'm also building something that I'm going to be launching after the IPL as well. So I've got plenty, I've got so much things to do. So, and I, just, I love learning. So whether it's, you know, on YouTube learning about, you know, successful people or different things that people do, I, I love it. So I'm, I'm enjoying that part, but then you do, you, you do miss that connection. So I've, you know, especially over the last week or so, I've just gone out of my way to be able to make sure that I am, I'm getting out of my room, that I'm really connecting away from just a training at the game, you know, with, with the guys, because that's the thing, that's the beauty of playing a team sport that you're able to enjoy good times with your mates, hang out with your mates. Um, whereas when you're in an isolated environment, it's easier to sort of just like, um, sort of, um, get, get, go a little bit reclusive. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm look, I'm having a, I'm having a great time. I feel, I just feel, well, I just feel incredibly fortunate to still be doing what I'm, what I'm doing at this stage of my, of my career in a, in a great, in a great franchise where I feel very supported and, um, yeah, I'm making, making the most of it. 39, what how many years you got left? <laughs> Let's see. Every every tournament I play, um, I feel very lucky and very fortunate to still be doing what I do. I still absolutely, I still absolutely love it. I still love the challenge of getting to my best and being at my best. I love that. I love that chase, which is always it's always been there. Is if something's slightly off, what 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 is it? How how can I be better? Um, so I still absolutely love that. I love that chase of of um of pushing pushing what my best looks like and being able to maintain it. So um, while it's still there and you know, my, my family, it still works as well as it can by being away for ch- uh, periods of time, then yeah, who knows? But I still, I still love it. What are you've mentioned it a few times, but now is your chance to give it a proper plug. Tell us about lessons learned with the greats. And I'm sure all the episodes are like your children, but I'll get you to pick one and which one have you learned the most from? Yeah, they, they are more like <laughs> they are like my children away. Like a, I've got so much out of so like all of them. It's it's fascinating. Like one, like even something like like Brett Lee, who's one of my one of my best mates. There's a couple of things in there that he talks about, especially from a visualization point of view, that I had no idea that he did. No idea. And we spent so much time together talking about a lot of different things, talking about cricket and so many other things. But yeah, you know, I did not realise that he was as calculated when it came to those like the, the visualisation, the mental skills that he used as as he was. So I found that absolutely fascinating. Look, the, there's so many incredible. Like I just feel so fortunate, even like with Chapelli uh, in Chapel to be able to talk to him about the things that he did. Um, you know, the the great late uh, Dean Jones to hear him talk about batting. And just really simply breaking down a couple of things. Even one thing around playing against spin was just fascinating. I'd never heard someone break it down so simply like he did. Um, and then one that's coming up is, which is, my, he's my my favourite person really of all time. Um, yeah, and him and him and Warney were the two like most um, impactful people on my career. Is Ricky Ponding? He just he um, 
yeah, him and Warney are really my my mentors through through my career, looking after me so incredibly well. So Ricky's, I've got Ricky coming up and his insights, especially from the mental skills. <laughs> I wish I knew what he did and why he did it when I was playing, but I didn't ask the questions. It was always like most cricketers always talk about technique. Oh yeah. Yeah. Looking at, cause that's what you can see. Whereas most people don't ever really dig underneath the surface. Say, what are the mental skills that you use? Why, well, what do you do? When do you do it? And why do you do it? Never. And Rick, some of the things that Ricky said, I'm like, Oh, how come I didn't know you did that for those reasons? So, um, so Ricky's insights, especially for across the board in general, are phenomenal because he's so articulate and he knows the game inside out. But the mental skills stuff blew me away. It's a terrific plug, Watto. Very good job. Uh, was it? Good on you, mate. Thanks for giving me some space there. I appreciate <laughs> it. T20stars.com. <laughs> um, yep. Good on you, mate. Well, Watto, thanks again for your time, mate. We really appreciate it. All the best with CSK. Hopefully, you can get them another title and get yourself another contract. <laughs> that'd be good let's see great to chat to you Sammy thank you mate <laughs> cheers mate so from one great Australian in Shane Watson to another in Lewis Cameron Lou are you ready to talk about some Sheffield Shield cricket oh, with an intro like that yeah I am yeah Okay, we're going to spend a few minutes on each team, pick our players to watch and give our bowl predictions at the end. The Shield season kicks off October 10 in Adelaide with South Australia taking on Western Australia at Karen Rolton Oval and Queensland facing Tasmania at Park 25. New South Wales and Victoria start their campaigns in round two. The first four rounds will be held in the Adelaide hub and all matches will be live streamed on cricket.com.au and the CA Live app. All right, Lou. Let's go in alphabetical order and start with the reigning champions, New South Wales. Now, they've got a pretty impressive squad. It hasn't been released yet, but just looking at their overall roster, jam-packed with promising talent, some veterans on the first-class circuit, and, of course, all those Aussie players. We know that Mitchell Stark and Nathan Lyon will be available for those first four weeks or at least the first couple of rounds. You also get guys like Curtis Patterson, Moses Enriquez, Daniel Hughes, Harry Conway, Trent Copeland, a couple of recruits, Ian Chris Tremaine. Uh, it's very impressive. Lou, what do you make of the reigning champs? Yeah, and I mean, adding Chris Tremaine and, and Adam Zampa over the off-season, I know they won't have Zampa because of the IPL, but um, yeah, just the, just the depth of, of that state is um, you know always, always pretty incredible. It'll be interesting for them this season, I suppose, with each first four rounds, they'll probably have a pretty similar squad for the first, um, you know, a pretty similar 11 for those four games, I guess, um, notwithstanding the fact that you might have Stark kind of not playing every game, you know, as he gears into the international summer. Um, but, you know, they're so used to, um, at the start of the season, often having Smith, Warner, Cummins, Hazelwood, these guys, and then almost bringing in a um, half a new team uh, to replace them for um, when they leave. So, um, yeah, I guess a bit more continuity for them um, should be really good, I reckon. Daniel Hughes was the Blues' leading run scorer last year with 665 runs at 44, the couple of hundreds. And Harry Conway and Trent Copeland both took 25 wickets. Conway at just 21, while Trent Copeland at 32 runs apiece. You look up and down their list, there aren't many weaknesses, Lou. It's going to be tough for the Blues not to be featuring at the back end of the tournament again. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a such a strong strong squad overall. Um, you know, no Stephen O'Keefe, but they get Nathan Lyon back for you know at least the first three or four games. Um, you, you would think, unless he gets picked in um, one day or T20 squads before the 
um, with India arriving. But yeah, I mean, especially with Stark in there. I mean, he, I was having a look at his numbers before in the Sheffield Shield in the last few years. Like, it's actually kind of just hilarious. He's taken 45 wickets in eight games in um, over the last five seasons. So he doesn't play very often, but when he does, it's just a trail of destruction. Yeah, he's a class above. And he had that dud game in Brisbane to start the summer last year and then he uh, tweaked his action and then got 10 for, did he? So, yeah, he's a pretty handy fast bowler to have. How about some of the players you're excited to watch in the Blues camp, Lou? Yeah, Stuck is number one. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see him, just what he's doing, especially when he's bowling to the tail. Um, he's incredible to watch. Dan Hughes is a really interesting one. I mean, you, you mentioned him before. He's, um, he's kind of been talked about as, as being someone that, um, a lot of the those New South Wales guys who are in the test team really like and really rate him. So um, if he puts together, you know, another good season, whether he's um, kind of around the fringes of the Australian test side, I know it's a it's a pretty settled team, but um, I think he kind of has the, the flexibility to, to open and then maybe bat um, a bit lower if, if need be as well. So, um, yeah, Stark and, Stark and Hughes are probably the two I'm looking forward to watch. Yeah, speak to Hughes, he not too long ago and he said the selectors have been in touch George Bailey has been on the phone to him and they've told him exactly what they what he needs to do to push for higher honours I won't tell you what that is uh, I'll save it for our readers but fair to say he's got the message it's loud and clear let's see what he can do this summer my players to watch uh, Curtis Patterson who was at one point Australia's test incumbent uh, injury Hasn't helped him. He had a court injury last year, missed 14 or so weeks of cricket. But having spoke to him uh, not too long ago, he said he's in red-hot form, got 100 in one of the trial games, and is looking to come back. He's worked on a few things as well. He's been focusing a lot on his mental health, his mental approach to the game. So look out for Curtis Patterson. Uh, Jilks, you mentioned, Matthew Jilks. He's a bit of a dasher. He got a double 100 in grey cricket the other day. I think he's going to be pretty handy if he does get a run in the middle order there. And then Harry Conway, one of the great uh, characters in the first-class game at the moment. He, uh, I spoke to him as well. He actually had a, an interesting chat with his coach, Phil Jakes, a couple of seasons ago, and they had an honest conversation. And Harry thought he was going one way and Phil thought he was going another. And since then, he's changed his attitude, his work ethic. He's still that bubbly, uh, energetic guy in the group, but he's worked really hard on his skills. And he's also put on a bit of muscle, which was an instruction from Pat Cummins and Josh Hazel who said, you need to bowl a bit quicker and be a bit stronger to get through these Aussie wickets, which we expect in Adelaide on these outgrounds, I guess you'd call them. They're probably not going to be fast and, and bouncy. They're going to be slower and lower and potentially suit the spinners and maybe those guys who can reversing the ball. So those are my three and We'll get to our predictions a little bit later on about where they might finish after the bubble. So let's go north of the border, north of the New South Wales border, Queensland, and they finished third last year. Joe Burns was their leading run score with 515 at 51.50. Most wickets, Cameron Gannon, who's no longer at the state, he's over there in Perth now, 38 at 21. What do we like about the Bulls? You look at their batting order, Lou, and they have got Test experience, international experience all through there. Looks like another well-rounded squad. I reckon their, their first 11 looks pretty strong. Yeah, they really do. I think they'd be my tip to be top of the table after um, after four rounds. They're, um, yeah, just purely, um, well, a couple of things. I mean, they're batting, yeah, it's pretty simple when you've got Manus, um, Joe Burns, Usman Khawaja. Uh, there's another one in that top four. Bryce Matt Street Renshaw. Is, Matt Renshaw is the, the other one. Um, and Bryce Street. 
uh, under the radar, had a really good um, season last year. I think a couple of hundreds, um, 200s, yeah. Bryce Street, yeah, 480, 500 runs at 40-odd, or just under 40, two tons, yeah. Yeah, and the, the other one I think for them is um, is Mitch Swepson's going to be really important. Um, but there's been a lot of talk about, uh, not a lot of talk, it's the Sheffield Shield, but there's been a bit of talk about <laughs> um, potentially these wickets um, spinning a bit more because, you know, they're kind of drier and um, or kind of club wickets and um, there's a separate school of thought that goes that maybe curators will need more grass on them. But, you know, for if they do end up spinning a bit more, then, um, you know, Swepson has been, you know, one of the best best spin bowlers in the competition the last few years and often bowls in really unhelpful conditions. Um, so if he, if he gets some conditions that suit him, he could be a real handful. Yeah, Swepson was my player to watch. He got 14 wickets in six games last year and bowling on the Gabbard's more of a seamer friendly surface up there isn't it and I think the captains up there like to pursue fast bowling as long as possible before handing the ball to the spinners so he's an interesting spot because we know who the number one spinner in the country is Nathan Lyon by a long way but who is that number two spinner uh, is it Mitch Swepson is it someone like a John Holland Ashton Agar is in the Limit Rovers team as is Adam Zampa uh, got a couple other spinners popping up around the country it'll be interesting to see where Mitch Swepson lands and if you can land those leggies, how much damage you can cause in the Adelaide hub. What about you, Lou, your player to watch for the Bulls? Yeah, I mean, outside of the Swepsman and the top order, I think uh, Michael Nisa is an interesting, really interesting part of his career. He's been so close to playing test cricket over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, like, I don't think anyone's just saying that um, because he's been around test squads. He, um, the way Justin Langer spoke about um, how good he looked you know, the nets and stuff when he toured uh, with the Asher squad last year um, is super encouraging. And then he backed it up last year by taking 33 wickets at 17 in the, in the in six games in the Shield. So he's just a super skilled bowler um, that everyone really rates and everyone really likes. So um, getting a game, you know, in amongst Cummins, Stark and Pattinson and Hazelwood, it's tough. But, you know, if anything happens to those guys, I reckon um, it's his, you know, it's his spot to lose that that next quick in. Nisa, 33 at, at 17 without the Duke's ball. He'd normally benefited from that, but that was all kookaburra, wasn't it, last year? So very impressive from Nisa. Let's go to the hosts, I guess you'd call them, South Australia. Uh, they finished last, last year. Uh, two wins and five losses in their nine games. But they've got some help there with uh, the likes of Travis Head, going to be captaining the team from the get-go. They've always got pretty healthy, fast bowling attack. Uh, they don't have uh, Tom Andrews anymore. The spinners' duties are going to be solely with Lloyd Pope and the very impressive Wes Agar, who had a breakout year last year. Uh, it was Tom Cooper who was the leading run scorer for the Redbacks, 765 runs at 55, bolstered by that unbeaten 271 at the start of the season. And Wes Agar, 33 wickets at 24 and 16 innings. This could be the year, Lou. They've a long title drought uh, in South Australia, but if you've got the first four games on home soil, I guess none of the games are at Adelaide Oval, but uh, this might be the perfect time to get off to a great start for the Redbacks. I can feel every South Australian uh, at the moment just shaking their head in, in disbelief <laughs> that you've put them all on them like that. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a rough trot for the South Australians for the best part of a couple of decades now. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it does present a really good opportunity and, and they're, you know, they're never, um, you know, they're never like a laughing stock or anything like that. Like, especially their bowling over the last few seasons, we know they made um, the Shield final uh, twice, twice in a row and, and lost to Victoria a couple of times or, or drew with Victoria in one of the, one of those, um, those finals. So yeah, their bowling, their bowling, their fast bowling especially is, is excellent. Um, I'm interested to see how Wes Agar kind of goes after, having a bit of a breakout season last year, 33 wickets, as you mentioned. Um, and Chad Sayers, I reckon, is the is kind of the interesting one. Um, you know, we know he, he played that test for Australia uh, in that everyone just forgot about, right, because it was yep. the one after Cape Town um, and and did quite well in that first innings. I think he got A.B. De Villiers out. Um, you know, there's that, I think that the future tours has Australia going back to South Africa in February or March, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that's kind of, you know, marked in Chad Sayers' diaries being, you know, the way the wickets do a little bit might, might be, um, might be one for him to get back on. So, um, yeah, he had another good season last year and, um, and you'd expect him to do the same again. Yes. It'd be great to see the Chad back in action. He actually cleans up at that oval, but won't be playing there for the start of the summer. Let's see how he goes. I also like to see how the Pope goes. Uh, like I said earlier, he's going to be the sole spinner for the Redbacks. And, you know, promising start. Who can forget that performance in the under-19 World Cup? I think uh, maybe the extra responsibility will do him well. It's a tough place uh, for Leggies. Adam Zamba didn't get up much of a run for the Redbacks. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why he went to New South Wales, although he, he's behind Nathan Lyon there. So it's uh, only going to get tough for him to get a Red Bull game there when it is available. Uh, but, yeah, I want to see how the pipes that goes. Anyone with a, a leggy with that, I don't think it's quite as flowing red hair as it used to be, uh, but he's got that beautiful wrong end. I want to see how it goes. And Daniel Worrell, who's um, been out of action for a little while, uh, he's got tremendous record when he's on the park. He got 11 wickets in two games last year. So let's see how he goes and move that ball around. They've got a lot of swing bowlers in in uh, South Australia. Nick Winter's another one, the left armour. Nice, tidy action. I'd like to see how he goes. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Redbacks go. Yeah, I think the other one as well is Jake Weatherall. He's kind of really promised for a couple of years to um, kind of give, give us that knockout season. Um, he hasn't had you know, too many bad ones, but he you know, probably hasn't put together you know, that big kind of 800 run season um, that, we, that we'd all you know, like to see and that we have seen that he's capable of like little glimpses of, of him um, in all formats, but especially in the Shield, just, you know, he just looks as good as anyone in the country. So... Um, Hopefully he can put it together as well. I think Chris Rogers is keen to see him do well. I worked with him before. Yeah, that's right. I, I spoke to to Chris, um, you know, previewing the Victorian season a, a week or so ago, and yeah, he, he was um, one of the names that he kind of brought up as as being one one to watch this season. So take it from uh, from Buck Rogers, not from me. All right, wise words. All right, Tasmania finished fourth. Last summer, uh, Alex Stillman was a leading run scorer with 575 runs at 36. There's only Tassie Tiger to play all nine matches. And for the leading wicket-takers, it was Jackson Bird, 28 in six matches at 22. He's just a wicket-taking machine in the Sheffield Shield. They've named their squad going to South Australia, 17 all up, but only 16 going for the first two games as Matthew Wade stays behind to spend time with his family. Tim Payne's going to be the skipper. They've got a tremendous fast bowling attack. Lee. You'd love to you'd love to look at that with Gay Bell, Bird, uh, Riley Meredith, Nathan Ellis, your your favourite, Nathan Ellis, Sam Rainbird, and of course the Wally old veteran, Peter Siddle. Batting 
looks a little bit light, I would have to say. But if you get guys like Doolan, uh, Ben McDermott, Jordan Silk, Bo Webster to fire, and then you include Matthew Wade and Tim Payne chipping with some runs, anything's possible with the Tigers. It's not too long that they were playing finals. So if everything clicks for them, they might be back up there. Yeah, hundred percent. And the, the the one name that I've I've heard a little bit from down there is is Tim Ward, who's a one of these guys who's done really well in New South Wales or Sydney grade cricket, um, and obviously couldn't you know couldn't crack that New South Wales squad. But um, yeah, apparently he's he's trained quite well down with um, Tasmania. So don't be surprised to see him around the mark, maybe maybe round one. But um, yeah, I think probably key for them will be their fast bowling, just because it's you know who do they. Um, who do they kind of pick as their first choice? Um, yeah, it's so exciting. I think one like Gabe Bell is just a guy who's got an outstanding um, first-class record, um, especially down in Tassie. So I'm interested to see how he goes. And, and Nathan Ellis, yeah, he, he's one of my unashamed favourites. He did so well in the Big <laughs> Bash last year. Just like just loved watching him go about it. Um, and then took 18 wickets in two Shield games at the, at the back end of the season. So I think... Um, I'm probably jumping the gun here, but I know you can ask my player to watch. Tom Andrews, I reckon, is a is an interesting one. He's been picked in their in their squad, and I'm just looking through it. Um, I think he's the only really specialist spinner they've got. Yeah. Um, maybe apart from uh, Bo Webster, who you know is, is a is a batter who bowls some spin, but um, Tom Tom's a really nice bowler, a really nice player, and I'm a bit surprised that um, South Australia. I'm not sure what what happened, but I'm a bit surprised that South Australia let him go. Um, and he could be really important. I think the last last few seasons, Tasmania have pretty much just played five quicks um, yep. or four quicks, and um, yeah, and, and an all rounder. Um, and even Bo Webster, I was speaking to him a couple of months ago, and he said that he'd taken up. He, you know, he normally bowls off spin, but he's actually taken up bowling medium pace because he he wanted to get a bowler's. Um, he wanted to get a bowl down at, down at Bell Reeve, so he, he might need the off spin more in, in Adelaide, but. Um, yeah, just imagine that. Imagine just going, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to bowl, bowl quick now. Handy acquisition for Tassie going back to Adelaide where Tom Andrews would have played a lot of cricket on those grounds and club cricket and for the for the Redbacks. So that might be a handy little pickup. Yeah, I like Andrews. I want to see how Riley Meredith goes. Uh, big raps on him over in that uh, UK tour. So he's, people are saying he's bowling very, very fast and also got an outstanding moustache. And then on the other side, he's a youngster on the other side of that is... Peter Siddle, who had a fantastic shield season last year. He doesn't have to worry about international commitments now. He's, re- he's retired from all the Aussie stuff. Uh, and I think he'll be wanting to make a mark on the young bowling attack. Uh, they'll learn a lot from from Peter Siddle. So he wants to be leading from the front. And the last one I'm looking, to, looking forward to seeing is Jake Doran, who I've heard from a very reliable source has been on absolute fire at preseason and is in for a very big year. So Jake Doran, that uh, big move to Tassie, well, must be four or five years ago now, mm. had huge raps on him, hasn't quite lived up to the hype just yet, but he's still a very young player, still figuring out his game, and he might be taking the gloves at certain points throughout the season. Does bowl nice little left-arm seamers, but he's a batter first and foremost, and all indication is that he's set for a big summer, so... Watch out for Jake Doran, Lou. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've kind of seen glimpses from him, but probably hasn't put the whole the whole package together. So, yeah, it's very exciting. Victoria is up next. And, Lou, you know this squad better than anybody. Uh, last year, they finished second, had a shocking start to the season and stormed home late. 
and would have given New South Wales a run for the money had there been a final. But, of course, COVID got in the way and New South Wales were crowned champions after nine games. Nick Madison was their leading run scorer last year with 780 runs at 86.66. 250s, another outstanding season for Nick Madison. He's really uh, made the most of his move down south from New South Wales. And then Peter Siddle was their leading. We could take a 32 at 20. Uh, they lost Siddle and Tremaine, the Vicks, last year. So their fast bowling attacks looks a little bit more inexperienced with new coach Chris Rogers, uh, but a strong batting lineup as always under captain Peter Hanscom. Yeah, the bowling is going to be the the big question for them. I think um, with the, on the batting front, they've kind of got probably three or four guys who have a bit of a point to prove in um, in Madison. First of all, you know to to show that you know last year wasn't an aberration that. Um, you know, I know um, he had a good, decent start to um, his career there the previous season and then backed it up. So he'll kind of be wanting to do that again. Um, Will Pukowski, um, you know, we know the challenges he's had both with mental health and um, with concussion as well. So I think everyone just wants to see him play because every time he does, he just looks so good. Um, and Harrison Hanscom as well, obviously. The bowling is just fascinating. Like, um, so no Siddle no Tremaine who have both moved into state and James Pattinson was a, a late call up to the Indian Premier League. So um, I was having a look the other day that that's 235 wickets at 24 over the past three seasons that they've lost. Um, it's going to put a lot of, um, a lot of heat on uh, or a lot of pressure on Boland and, and John Holland. Uh, the one that, that Chris Rogers um, was quite excited about was, uh, a young quick called Mitch Perry, who I think played, he played a game or two in the Marsh Cup last season. Um, and he, Chris Rogers thinks he has a bit of Damien Fleming about him. So uh, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? S- swings the ball, bowls lively. Don't know how many hat tricks he's taken on debut. How many famous runouts he's been a part of? Yeah, yeah it's, good. it's a good question. Also, like uh, Will Sutherland. Had a cracking season last year. Injury got in the way at certain times, but he's got a whip. He's got that nice whippy action, bowls fast. Uh, seems like he likes getting in the contest. And I think he's a genuine all-rounder. I reckon this time in a year or two years' time, he'll be able to hold his spot with either bat or ball. So excited for him. And you're right, Bukowski's the other one. Hopefully he stays on the park and everything's good health-wise. Victoria start their campaign against New South Wales against the Blues on October 22nd at Adelaide Oval number two. All right, Western Australia finished fifth last year. It's been a bleak time when it comes to Sheffield Shields silverware over there in the West, but they've made some moves in the off-season to really focus on fixing that. They finished fifth last year. Sean Marsh, the Wiley Old veteran, 724 runs at 48 last year with 200s. And then Matt Kelly, 27 wickets in 13 innings at 28. They start off against... South Australia, they've got interesting squad. A few new faces there, Lou. What do you make of the the Whackers? Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting kind of time for them. They had um, probably a disappointing season last year. And a lot of guys, kind of their senior guys, um, I'm thinking of Hilton Cartwright and Ashton Turner ended up out of the out of the squad altogether. and uh, Sorry, out of the team altogether. And Ashton Turner was kind of the, um, the acting captain at that point with, with um, Mitch Marsh, their regular captain, missing. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how those guys bounce back because they're both guys who have played for Australia um, in different formats, obviously, but they'll be wanting to kind of come back. Um, I think it's really interesting that they, um, you know, went out and targeted Cameron Gannon in 
um, just find a bit more bowling depth um, and, and look outside their, their own backyard, which is something that, you know, has been a real feature of WA cricket for, for a while now um, because they want to win a shield and, and they, you know, haven't been as close as um, they would have liked in recent seasons. It, it surprised me looking the other day that they haven't won one since um, 98, 99, I think it is, uh, which is a really long time for such a, a state that's produced so many good cricketers and, yeah. and not just not just white ball cricketers either, you know, really, um, you know, got a great tradition there. So, um, yeah, it would be really interesting to see how, how they kind of front up this season. Yeah, they've, uh, well, they've won Marsh One Day Cups, they've won BBL titles over there with the Scorchers and they lose, or they let go, Nathan Coulton Ole and AJ Ty didn't sign them to contracts to two of their uh, better white ball players and as you said, got Gannon and they welcome back Joel Paris who had a tremendous start to his career, ended up playing for Australia, bowls that wobbly left arm seam. Must be so difficult to face. So uh, you spoke to him, didn't you? Yeah, really interesting guy. Um, really well-spoken um, for a fast bowler, I was going to say, but just, you know, he's really well-spoken <laughs> um, lad. And, and yeah, just looking at his numbers, I was kind of surprised at how, how good they were, to be honest. Like I'd um, just kind of in between, you know, injuries and stuff, and he kind of flown under my radar a bit. Um, he played a couple of one days for Australia um, when he was kind of at the at the peak, um, his peak of one day cricket when he was a bit younger. So now he's he's been doing a bit of technical work with the bowling coach over there, Matt Mason, and running it a bit slower to the to the crease. He said to um, get more um, out of his action. So he'll be a really interesting one. The one I suppose that we we haven't talked about yet that um, everyone is is um, is Cameron Green. He's uh, it's just there's just so much excitement about him, I reckon, and from the people kind of in the know, and um, especially around Stateland. I think maybe maybe he's just a guy that um, the rest of you know the cricket watching public haven't quite wrapped their heads around yet. I think like the average kind of um, test you know cricket fan, average kind of cricket person, kind of knows about Will Pukowski and um, someone like him, but Cameron Green, I think, is one that we're all going to know about. Um, not too distant future. He's he's super exciting, and um, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a challenge for him to um, to back up that amazing season last year, 699 runs with two or three centuries, I think it was. Um, you know, where the bowlers have figured him out a little bit. He's, he's just an amazing. He's a really good player off his legs for um, someone so big. I think he's 200 200 centimeters or or around that mark. Um, so whether teams don't bowl straight to him now. Um, I don't know, but he'll 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 be harder for him. So I can't wait to see how that pans out. Yeah, Green promising all rounder, but he's not going to be bowling not for the first couple of games. He's going to be picked as a specialist batter. A couple other players I'm uh, keen to see is as we mentioned, Ashton Turner. He's back fully fit, so he's throwing properly and bowling again. He had big raps on him from former selector Greg Chapel, who is a mm. player of the future for sure. And he, we've seen what he can do in one day cricket. He can absolutely smash a ball, <laughs> smash those white balls, but. I reckon he's got the game to go all the way in uh, four-day Red Bull stuff. And then Cameron Bancroft, uh, he was in, played the first couple of Ashes tests last year. He's had a really unusual issue with getting caught at, um, at short fine leg or, you know, leg gully. So interesting to see if he's corrected that that issue. But uh, he's, a, he's a test match opening batter. So they'll be wanting a lot out of him over there. It's such an interesting one as well. I mean, like, what do you... I think I had a few conflicting things where he he suggested it wasn't an issue. And I think Justin Langer said, I, you know, if it happens, keeps happening, 
um, uh, you know, it must be, there must be kind of something going on. I kind of felt sorry for him in, in some regards because you, like any of us who have, you know, played, you know, backyard cricket, whatever it is, like just, you just kind of play that if someone bowls on yeah. your hip, you just play that shot, don't you? Like it, you can't, it's hard to stop yourself. So like would that, that might've worked on, on any batter. Like it it just, it, it was really bizarre. It was very strange. Yes. And uh, the fact that, Team just kept putting filters there. It's just mm. they, he just kept picking them out. Very few on either side of those filters. It was remarkable. And it must have played on his mind, right? Like he must have just been thinking, right? I'm going to go out to bat, and you know I'm used to you know getting out swingers outside off stump and leaving and, and defending the ones on the stumps. But instead, he he, he knows he's going to have a guy at, at leg slip. That's just it. Just would throw you as a as an opening batter who's spent your whole career, you know, under thirteens to to test cricket you know, expecting one thing and, and getting something completely different. I would be shocked if there wasn't a leg slip for his first game. There has yeah. to be one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Even if it's just a mental thing, you might not actually bowl there. You, you might oh, just sure. kind of put in there and, and then everyone behind the stumps, they're saying, oh, you know, wait for the, wait for the soccer ball down leg side. And um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't have thought, like, are there going to be many shield bowling coaches saying to their teams, Bowl the, hip. Bowl, the, bowl the hip. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they will. It, it's, a, it's a really strange one. You can find out by checking out the action live streamcricket.com.au and the CA Live app. Let's wrap this up, Lou, with our leading run scorer after the, uh, the first four rounds. Who is your leading run scorer? I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb and say Peter Hanscom. And I'm saying Victorian. That- what yeah, Victorian. Yeah, I'll, I'll get accused of Victorian bias, um, but I'm, I'm happy to wear it. Uh, he's coming off a lean season last last year, um, just getting his numbers up now. But um, he only made he only averaged 26 last season, so he'll be wanting to improve on that. Um, he's a really good player of spin, and I think if it does spin, um, I think in the bubble, you know, he gets on a roll. Um, he could be he could be really good. Um, so yeah, he's my Maybe slightly left field tip. Slightly biased tip. Well, I'm going for <laughs> a Queenslander. So that was completely against um, my natural thinking, but uh, he was a New South Welshman at one point, Usman Khawaja, who I, you know, it's got to be still in the top 10, maybe top five batters in the country. He'll have a point to prove to try and get himself back into that test team. He's in that age where he knows his game inside and out. He's had a big preseason. Yeah, I just think he's too good not to be scoring heaps and heaps of runs at domestic level. So uh, Usman Khawaja, the Queensland captain, is my tip for the leading run scorer after the first four rounds. And what about, and wickets? And wickets? I'm going to stick with a hometown lad in Wes Agar. I don't think it was um, fluke that he played so well last year for those 33 wickets. I think he's going to kick on and have another big year with the ball. Uh, he knows those conditions really well. He can bowl reverse swing, which I think is going to be a big factor in these first four rounds. So, yeah, where's Agar as my bowler? And then my smoke is a proper New South Welshman, Harry Conway. Yeah, I like it. It'd be great to see Harry Conway doing well. He's just he's the character I think the um, the competition needs. Um, for the bowling, I'm going to go with Mitch Swepson. Yep. Uh, I think he's an underrated Sheffield Shield bowler. And I think the numbers, you know, when conditions suit, I think in his favour. And I like, we have no idea, right? What, how these club, kind of club no. grounds or non-traditional grounds are going to play because, you know, we don't have much history to work off. But, you know, if, if you know, um, 
what people are saying about maybe it's spinning more, then I think um, Mitch will be um, right up there. It's a bit of a bold move uh, to tip a spinner to be um, to be the leading wicket taker, considering they're normally not around the mark among the absolute top top rung of, of um, leading wicket takers in the shield, but. Uh, that's what uh, bold predictions are for, right? That's what we have you on the show for, Lou, to make those bold predictions, take some risks. And we thank you for your time. Once again, hopefully we'll be chatting to you when you're actually in the bubble. I can't wait to be in a bubble and out of a hotel room. Fantastic. Well, mate, stay strong. That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this show and The Scoop, covering all things women's cricket. We will be back next week. But until then, for all your cricket scores, video highlights and news head to cricket.com.au and the CA live app if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.